podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. And welcome to a Pro Plus special for Anfield Index. Ladies and gents, this is five fighting forwards. Liverpool, for maybe, very possibly, the the best period I can remember in my time watching the club, have a collection, a selection of forwards to rival anyone in the world, let's be completely honest. So part of this pod is about celebrating those forwards. And part of this pod, ladies and gentlemen, is about debating the quality, skill set and the combinations. Because we all have our favourites, we all have who we like, and we've all got an idea who should be in those starting three positions as well. So here to join me tonight to talk about everything related to forwards, the best combos, their preferences, and no doubt just to spout nonsense, they often do. I'm joined by two pals of mine, James and Mark. So James, first of all, how are we? Good, thanks. And yourself? I'm good, mate. Ready to uh, take apart any argument you can put together. So looking forward to that. Excellent. And Mark, Mark, for yourself? Yeah, all good, mate. All good. Looking forward to this. Stuff, good stuff. We'll see if he still feels that way come the end of this pod. But ladies and gents, honestly, looking forward to this one because the forwards, the tip of the spear, Goals forgive so many errors. Goals disguise so many things. And it's the one thing you know this season we have got in a bucket load. So let's get stuck right into it. And the first thing, gents, just, you know, talking about the five forwards, the options and all the things that we'll get to. Let's just say this with, you know, a bit of happiness, a bit of, you know, a smile, as I say it on my face. Salah stays. Mo Salah is still a Liverpool player and the Saudi window has fully closed. Now, (laughs) let's be honest, we all saw the report, some huge, huge bids reported. It seemed to be almost that it was too late towards deadline day to get a replacement, however you you wish to phrase it. But I, I know there was different ideas let's say and someone on this pod is going to get ribbed later on but I'll come to that very shortly but Jamesy I want to come to you first because I mean the, there was headlines galore we saw so many things in that that last week shall we say of the Saudi window was there a point mate be honest and be deadly honest was there a point where you were thinking there's a figure that will get this done if they build or if they bid sorry X amount that gets this done and I'm a bit worried did you have a figure in mind at all? Okay, so the figure would have been 220 plus. Wow. I think it would have been, because um, again, that's going to be the record. That's a transfer record. And I think that would have got it done. To be God's honest truth. 
he's, he's just such a vital player to us. But if you imagine if we had 220 million, what we can actually do, I think it's a, when we think about it in a, in a way, Dave, Salah is, is he replaceable? Probably not, but is two hundred and twenty million something that Liverpool are going to sort of look at? Absolutely, that's me just being completely honest. Wow, Mark James puts two hundred and twenty million on the table, saying that would have got Salah done. Do you agree, or do you think a different figure it would have taken? I, I think more. I mean, I don't think they were far away from two twenty in the in the final kind of day. Um, I think. I think in my head, I was thinking anything 250 plus makes it so difficult to turn down. Um, it was it's, it's a really interesting kind of transfer saga that went on there because it, I think it became less about the money and more about the time to replace him because I actually think with the numbers they were bidding, it maybe and probably would have got done had the timing been different if they'd come at us earlier in the window when you actually can replace them. I think the larger part of the sum here was that the money is almost irrelevant at this stage because we're we're kissing at least half of the season away with no replacement for, you know, our primary goal scorer, primary assister, uh, our our focal point, our best player, our talisman, all of those sort of classic things you would you would say about Salah. Um, but obviously there does come a point where despite all of those things that you would hate to get rid of, that a certain number surely is, you know, just something you couldn't look past, something you would just have to say, right, we are going to have to try and make do with the other four for the, the first six months and we'll, you know, we'll try and get someone in, in January or look hard for next summer or whatever it is. And for me, that number would have been around kind of 250, I think. What do you think? Yeah, I... I'm going to go different to, to you two boys. In in essence, and I get what you're saying, and I kind of think you're right, and probably to pick up on your point, Mark, if this is happening in July or right at the start of August, you know, it's a different conversation completely. I think it would get done on, on certain money. But I just think they dug their heels in that much, understandably. Jurgen Klopp had reaffirmed it three or four times. I think once it hit that last week, I know this will sound easy to diminish or debate, but I just think they were at the point where I know people go, no no amount of money would get it done type of thing. I'm not going to say that, but it wasn't like they were going to whack in 500 million, wasn't it? You know, you've got to have some sense of realism to this. this. So I just think it got to that point, to be honest, where it was too late and even, even 250 gents wouldn't have got it got it done. I mean, we can debate that. We can't really prove it, so to speak, can't we? But at the end of the day, Mo Salah is a Liverpool player and we've got to celebrate, rejoice that, no two ways about it. I mean, just a quick one and it's a yes or no to this, both of you. So, you know, I like giving you quick five questions to put you on the spot. So, Jamesy, I'll come to you first. Is this Mo Salah's last season at Liverpool? Yes. Mark? Yeah, I think d- definitely so. For for lots of, you know, I'm, I'm sure he's, for all the reasons that's been discussed, he's clearly going to be their target again. And uh, yes, I think they're going to come for him again. And this time with a year left, it's going to have to be. Yeah, I, I'd probably go at a full house for that. And I mean, 
listen, we, we've, if we all believe that, we've got to enjoy him. And I think we all agree it's hard to debate. Whilst he's at Liverpool, that forward line which we're talking about is Mo Salah and two others. It's that simple. I mean, there's been a lot of distraction around him, a lot of questions. But for me, I mean, he doesn't seem to have been distracted, derailed. I mean, he's the ultimate professional, as we know, of what we heard throughout the years. I mean, it's an interesting one because I've seen certain, say, articles, certain opinions around it. I'll come to you first with this, Mark. How do you think, against this backdrop of everything that's happening, how do you think he's actually started the season? I mean, just exactly how I expected him to because... I don't, I mean, if you've watched Liverpool at all during Salah's spell, I don't think you could ever doubt anything about his kind of professionalism, the level he commits himself to, you know, you have to look no further than his body to see the kind of commitment Mo Salah has to his profession. He's absolutely at, at the front of of commitment as far as footballers go, from what I can see, you know, right up there with your Ronaldos and guys who really... It's beyond just what they do in training. It's everything. It's how they eat. It's how they sleep. It's how they, you know, think about the game. It's how it's everything. Everything about Mo Salah's life is directed toward his performance on the field. And so far this season, to me, I mean, he hasn't had any games that have absolutely blown me away. But we've kind of got to the stage with Salah where you almost don't give him credit for the eight slash nine out of ten performances that he puts in pretty much every single time. Uh, and I think this season is just kind of like that. You know, he's already in the four Premier League games, got two goals, two assists. You know, in number terms, that's right in line with the salary we expect. You know, that's uh, that's the kind of guy that will end the season, you know, somewhere on the 40 goals and assists or, or higher um, overall. So... I mean, yeah, I'm, I I think Salah has started really well. He's at the level he's playing at right now. I still think he's the main man. You know, like you said, him and two others. Nothing I've seen from the first two games makes me think otherwise. I think Jurgen even touched on it in um, in one of the many times he was asked about Salah in the pre-match press conferences where he was saying they'd had a kind of team leader meeting and Salah was kind of you know at the forefront of that completely committed. Jürgen saw nothing that suggested that he wasn't just like all in on Liverpool still, despite the obvious kind of maybe interest he had in the in the move. Um, I think he's that level of professional that despite that, he's still, you know, can be 100% in on us while, if we were honest, was open to the to the move. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I think that absolutely is. I mean, numbers machine. I mean, Jamesy, like Mark said, two goals, two assists in four games. His numbers speak for themselves already. And it is interesting. I think Mark makes a fair fair point there. It almost seems that unless he is almost a 10 out of 10, so to speak, each week, then the attention does go to Sabozlai, maybe shiny new things. And maybe, I don't know, do do you feel that we take Mo Salah for granted somewhat? How would you assess his start to the season? Absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, we've got a, a quite a young forward line, so that's big, big in experience as well. So then, young boys are learning off him all the time. 
Also, he creates chances. So if you look at his stats in the last couple of years, he's becoming a lot more because we always were talking about Mo Salah being too greedy. Now he looks up and gets the pass and he's getting those assists as well. So he's adding to his game as well. So we've got, we've got the assists and obviously he's a goal scoring machine because we know he's absolutely vital. Like it's a difference between us and um, maybe winning the league this season and maybe not. So. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. Almost, uh, not that he's ever been anything different, but the, the goals have always been there. And like you say, the assists have probably come to the fore. Almost, uh, always been a creative force. But boys, what a player to have, which means I think we've all agreed that it's always going to be in the big games, as it were, or the key matches, Salah and two others in that regard. So we've got to talk about the remaining four. And obviously the remaining four that, They've had different starts to the season. I think it's fair to say there's a context behind that as well at the same time. And I'm going to put you on the spot at times, boys. You're going to have to nail your colours to the mast on certain things, but we are going to talk about stats, key moments. You know, even I think it's important to bring in recent internationals because they've all been busy and all been on the goal trail or making things happen at least in the international break as well. So, James, I'm going to come to you first. This is throwing you a bit of a a live hand grenade, but we are going to have to get into this and start debating at some point with these forwards. Out of the other four, so it's Mo Salah aside, we know that on the, the right-hand side, so it's two forward positions left. Who would you say has had the best start to the season out of the others when you're looking at it overall? Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch? And those must-have fan threads. Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Overall, I would say Luis Diaz. Overall, I would say Luis Diaz, based on the stats and what he did. Like, yes, you know, he's always a hard worker. Bear in mind that last season he had a horrible injury and he's come back and he's hit the ground running. So I would say Luis Diaz would be my next kind of, you know, the club. Because he's started the last four games. He scored two goals. And again, the assists is going to come. This is something that he needs to play more with when it comes to his game. But I think that it's definitely there. Wow. Yeah, it was a big claim. And listen, those goals were, were pretty good, weren't they? That one against Chelsea at the end of that team move, almost Mane-esque, wasn't it? Outside to win, it's great to finish. And also just a bit of individual brilliance, that that goal against Bournemouth as well. That almost, I don't want to call it scissor kick half volley, but it was just special the way he brought it up for himself that way. Yeah. Going to be hard to tackle. But Mark, James, he says Luis Diaz. Is he I don't disagree with the with the Diaz shout. He is he is between two for me with Diaz and Nunes, and I was kind of 
leaning towards Diaz, but the the more I kind of look back at it, I actually think I'm going to go Nunes because the the, the simple kind of reason is we have he hasn't had many minutes. You know, it's, he didn't start in favour, and he's kind of had to battle his way into contention. But I think like per the minutes he's played, in particular, we're we're looking at the last game and the Newcastle game. He's, I mean, in the in the Newcastle game, I, I don't even know if Salah could produce those sort of levels of finishing. You know that th- those kind of acute angles, the way he struck it, like so so sweetly twice in a row to go and you know to go and claim the victory out of the jaws of defeat in such a difficult game. But kind of more importantly is the Villa game, I think, for me because. First kind of real chance, you know, first time he gets the nod, if you will, and looks like he's kind of earned his spot and there's a bit of trust there. But he comes in and he, well, he didn't have like the perfect game. He had quite a Darwin game, didn't he? He was like chaotic and loads of maybe moments. But I think the thing that kind of sticks with me is so much happened around him in that game. So much. I mean, hit the bar, he came within millimetres at the back post where he was sliding in for one. Just kind of chance after chance came his way and things happened around him. I would say the excitement I found from that, because I've been a bit of a Darwin sceptic, I would say, in the first season. I think it, it looks to me like he's kind of getting it now. I think the pressing, I, uh, I, I'm, I don't know if you guys saw, but uh, Sam McGuire did a bit of a breakdown on him on his kind of pressing numbers but his pressing numbers were kind of off the charts in that game which is really positive because that's for me the reason that he's found himself not in the team not because of you know his 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 potential to score or assist or you know be kind of chaotic it's it's the the pressing fundamentally that he's lacked and if he has kind of got on top of that which the numbers suggest he has um, I find that just so exciting. I think that's that's massive for us going forward. I think Diaz has looked really good and has got, you know, he, he's already got on the score sheet a couple of times. And I think that's positive, but I don't think that leads to, you know, a 20-goal season for Diaz. Whereas what I saw from Nunes, I, I genuinely think maybe that is where we're where we're headed with him. So I'm gonna go with Diaz. I think uh, sorry, Nunes. I think he has he's looked like he's kind of maybe done what he did with Benfica and taken that year to acclimatize a little bit. And now I think he's m- maybe on the verge of exploding. Can I counter that? So the reason I picked Diaz is because it's that steady. Like Nunez, like obviously he hasn't had a lot of minutes, but he's missed big, three big chances more than any other strikers. He will score 20 plus because he is so erratic and I love him. He's captain chaos. But when it comes to that steady, like really need to start getting clinical and, and finishing them because if we get a couple of, say for example, against City, and he misses a couple of chances, you know, again, lads, we could end up losing the league again. I'm just giving you a, an idea that could happen. Um, he scored internationally, which was quite interesting. So he scored against Chile as well. So he's definitely on the goal trail. But again, he is just so erratic when it comes to it. So hopefully, um, hopefully we see big things from Nunes. But again, I'm going to go with Diaz. Well, could I, put it, could I put it to you this way, James? 
if let's let's use your kind of city analogy there. If you were if we're playing City, you know, and let's say it's one all, we're going into the last five minutes, and you're gonna send one of them through on goal, Diaz or Nunes, which one are you backing to to win us the game? But but Nunes, but that wasn't the question. The question was who started the season the best. In the it final. was, but you were you were kind of saying, you know, which one would you rely on in the big game? You know, you're worried that he's too erratic. And I do agree with you, he is erratic, he misses chances, but he gets more than anybody. So you can miss chances when you're the guy that gets that many. And if, I, if it was the City game, I for sure would be back in Darwin over Nunes, uh, sorry, Nunes over Diaz to, to go and win us that game. So just let me put that back to you. What about over 90 minutes? I still think Darwin will outscore uh, Diaz every day of the week, yeah? Wow. I would rather start... Yeah, go ahead. Well, look at this, ladies and gents. South American spice, the flair has caught hold, hasn't it? They are <laughs> going back and forth in their corners already. I love it. I mean, gents, because we're going to move it on because we are going to eventually get to pick our, our favourite three, as we say, and I can... I might be wrong, but I'm starting to see where this is going potentially, but but let's see how this does unravel. I want one thing I, I want to say as well, let's say I, I, I get both arguments and this is not trying to be a politician's answer when I get to this, don't get me wrong. The one thing I really like this season is there's a bit from everyone and I, I love the fact you called out James, like you said, Diaz on the goal trail for Chile. It would be great if he could even hit the sort of double figures goal mark and go from there. But my gut is telling me almost, like Mark said, that I'm going to just nudge the scales that side of the argument. I don't know if you saw it as well, gents, that the up boys did the pressing stats for Darwin as well as Sam Maguire. Don't know if anyone clocked. It wasn't just like the fifth best of this season. It was the fifth best of all time from a centre forward, you know, since they've even started doing their stats. I mean, that's incredible. So if you can start combining that with the goals well, fingers crossed, you know, just the pace, the chaos, all those types of things. Uh, you know, maybe because we, me and James will know, Mark's always had a bit of hatred towards Darwin. So we'll just nudge the scales in that sense as well. So it will be interesting. Well, there's no objection or overruled in this regard. But one thing I do want to sort of come to, and it'll be interesting to see because we talked about Salah at the start, Diaz and Nunes, debate. The South American side caught flair. No one's had a bad start and I do not want to use that word or frame it that way specifically because it's been great to see even others getting on the, you know, the goal act. So Jota's got a goal. Even if we look at international duty that, you know, pretty much it's consistent that having goals or assists impact. But I do want to sort of point it towards this way because you can't start all five as much as we'd probably love to see the experiment in some way. But, Mark, I'll come to you for for this one first of all because there is a context to this, I suppose. But who do you think might be a bit disappointed, shall we say, or maybe think I've not quite hit the mark out of these forwards with their start to the season out of the five? Yeah, it's it's a good question because our forward line is... It, there's so much competition and I don't think any of them can really afford to have any bad spells really because there's a viable option. Can I sell it aside the other four? There's a viable option to replace them immediately. You know, there's no need to kind of bear with someone through bad form because we have just an incredible five really. Um, and I think the, the, the only way I can really answer this is to break them down individually, and I'll ignore Salah from this because we've already kind of covered his season so far. 
Um, we touched on Darwin a little bit there. Not many minutes, but an enormous impact for the minutes that he has had. So we'll kind of set him aside. And then we're down to the other three. Diaz, as we said, has started pretty well. You certainly couldn't put him in the who hasn't started well category. And that brings you down to two. So you've got Gakpo and Jota. Now, Jota, we're all kind of used to the fact that he's an odd kind of um, collection of of qualities. He's not always pretty on the eye. He's sometimes loose with the ball. He presses fantastically well. He always chips in with his share of goals and assists, which is massive for, uh, you know, to have a player who who will start some, who will come off the bench and always contribute in terms of pure numbers. Um, so I think he just kind of is what he is, if you will. I don't think he's doing particularly well or particularly badly. He's just being Jota. And that leaves you with Gakpo, essentially. And uh, I think Gakpo is going to be the kind of one who is going to lose out from Darwin's form, if you will. And Gakpo kind of very circumstantially has been unfortunate for me. I mean, he played the first two in midfield, not his position at all. I had hopes for him in there because he did reasonably well, I thought, in pre-season as, as an eight. That didn't really translate into the, the two games we had where he played there. But he struggled quite a bit, and particularly in the Chelsea game. Uh, and then when he did finally get his chance up top uh, in the Newcastle game, we go down to 10. It's a very difficult game. I don't think he played very well, uh, despite being down to 10. Uh, and and I think overall, if you asked him honestly, are you happy or disappointed with your start in a Liverpool shirt, he would have to say he's disappointed. So I think Gakpo is, is the one who would be unhappy with the start of the season. But again, you know, you go and look at his international form there. He looked to play very well for Holland. Yeah. Lord again, he's um he's a player I really like. I do. I think I think he on paper, I think he's kind of a better fit in some ways to Darwin, to what we are, you know, to the way or certainly to what we've been used to, kind of in the Bobby mold. Um, but I don't think he could he could come away from those first four games thinking the spot's mine. I've nailed it down, kind of thing. You know, he's he's the only one of the forwards to have not contributed any goals or assists. Uh, that in itself is disappointing, even though he wasn't playing up front. Uh, and and just generally, I don't think he's taking care of the ball well enough, which. For the guy who's not going to cause the chaos that Darwin is, isn't going to go in behind and you know add all those additional kind of exciting elements, he really has to do that bit well. And I think we're heading towards kind of a year of having him now. I would really like to see that part of his game start improving. I want to see he's a big guy. He's you know six foot three somewhere around there. He should be using his body better. He should be taking more care of the ball. And I've been a bit disappointed with that side of his game. Interesting. Now, Jamesy, you could well spice this up if you've got Darwin Nunes at the bottom of the pile of all five in a way. But is it similar to Mark? Is it a Gakpo, the slowest start to the season out of the five? Or who have you maybe just been a bit disappointed with, shall we say? No, I think it's been unfair on Gagpo for the first two games. He did need to play midfield last uh, season. He, he, you know, we've started to chip in goals and he was looking absolutely fantastic. So I think it's unfair 
Um, because he has created a couple of chances, but he hasn't had any shots on target, um, and he hasn't missed any big chances either. So I would agree with Mark in regards to Gakbo um, probably having the slowest, but I think also it's unfair for what he's been asked to do. Um, and I, I think that obviously Jada, uh, it's horses for courses. Um, sometimes Jada, I, I feel that he's a great presser, but he gets lost in games sometimes, and you can see that. And even though he scored um, goals, and he scored a goal for Portugal, but he also was in the bench as well. So he scored against, uh, I think it was Luxembourg, and he was in the bench for, for I think it was Slovakia or Slovenia. Yeah, indeed, indeed. It's a, uh, it has been an interesting one. The international break, and obviously, even the talk this time about Darwin. I think his Bielsa described it be having sore muscles and taken off at half time. I mean, it, it will be interesting to see, especially with, with Wolves on the horizon. But the the way I see it, to be honest, is I agree with a, a lot of what said. Jota Jota's just a funny beast, isn't it? Because he, his stats from like. Goals and assists, because I know you were looking into it as well, Mark. His stats overall, you know, his goals, assists, contribution per minute, that type of thing is really good. And it almost feels with Jota, doesn't it, in essence, that I don't even know how else to put this. You know, when he's playing crap, that's usually when he comes up with a goal or assist, isn't it? He kind of just disappears, like people start wondering why is he in the team sheet. But his actual goals and assists record, Mark, is pretty decent, isn't it, for a player? He's maybe not the best player but for goals and assists he's yeah, pretty I mean, good isn't he ab- absolutely yeah I mean just to give you kind of his Premier League stats in his three full seasons that he's had his first one uh, was his weakest one he got nine goals and assists um, his second season 19 and last season which was uh, where he had this kind of driest run but he also was injured and didn't play a lot uh, only 11 but always kind of has this knack of popping up with important ones. And while while you're just looking at bare numbers, uh, it, it doesn't always translate into the reality, which is, you know, some goals are more important than others. And Jota is undoubtedly a guy who gets those. He's kind of done that for us right from the off. The whole way through his Liverpool career, he's had fairly important goals. You know, he gets a lot of match-winning goals. Um, I wouldn't put him down as kind of a stat padder. You know, you, you get guys that are like that. Jota's not that. He's frustrating at times. He's not my favourite to watch. You know, he's not the he's not the guy I kind of go into the stadium excited to see ever really. But I'm also never like displeased to see him in the lineup because you do kind of expect a goal or an assist from him almost every time. Certainly every other game, um, the stats kind of prove that. I mean, he he has that. That is what the numbers add up to: a goal or assist every other game, his entire Liverpool career, and that's that's really strong. That's a really consistent thing, especially for a guy that's never found himself as a firm starter. You know, he came in when we had the original front three of Salah, Manny, and uh, Firmino. Had to kind of make do with that. He's never kind of managed to nail it down for one reason or another: injuries and maybe the way that he doesn't contribute as much on the ball in general play. But he's a really invaluable player for me. And I've kind of got past the stage where I'm going to criticise the failings of him because I see so much value in what he does bring. Uh, having a guy who will get you a goal or assist every other game, not complain about not getting as many appearances or minutes as other players, I think that's just invaluable. But I mean, the very kind of crux of what we're doing here on this pod is discussing our five forwards the value of them and such, and Jota brings immense value. 
Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa. He does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, he, he really does. Absolutely. He can also play right across that forward line. We know how good he is in the air. And like Jamesy mentioned, horses for courses. He always seems, a, as, as the stats show as well, a streaky player, Jota. He usually gets on a run and gets going from there. So, lads, listen, we all love them for various different reasons. I loved the arguments. I loved the debate. I loved the defending there from, from Jamesy for his Gakpo mate as well. So, we are going to have to get, gents, into the key element, which is the starting three, i.e. we cannot play all five. Jürgen maybe will have thought about it or tried it, but we've already seen against the likes of Chelsea, even four probably doesn't quite work. So that's a debate for a, another time completely before anyone thinks we're going that route. So if we're thinking about the starting three, and I'm thinking, gents, for context with this of, who works well together, who fits where, your rationale behind it as well. And naturally, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come to you to defend your arguments and your different ideas and how you see things and feel free just to tee off on each other a little bit like you did earlier as well. So you are going to make the case for your preferred front three gents. doesn't have to be, I know we've talked about it now, like who's in form, who you see at the moment, but based on how you think they work well together and all that, who's your preferred front three right now? Or the strongest front three, you could call it. Jamesy, I'll come to you first. So I would say Diaz, Nunes and Salah are are my preferred front three. I've always been a a Nunes fan. I've always uh, always praised them. Um, I know that Mark slandered them a lot. Uh, and now he's in true, camp. absolutely true. Yeah, so that's the thing. You, so I would say Nunez, Diaz, and Salah, without a shadow of a doubt. I think there's goals there. I think it's creativity. I think there's a bit of uh, just real bite. And anyone seeing those three are just like, oh, I'm in for a great game. And also. You've got the midfield as well that are starting to be very creative and I think they just work really well together. Um, yeah, that's my front three. Woofed. Interesting. The three that started against Villa in probably our best performance of the season as well. Like the logic, James, here, a bit of South American spice. Mark, are you backing him up or are you going different? So I'm going to have to go a little bit kind of politician's answer here and fall a little bit on the fence, which is, I I definitely think Diaz has nailed down his spot and Salah, as we've covered, completely has his. 
the centre forward spot, I think, is the one we're talking about here, really, because it's kind of is it Gakpo or is it Nunes? And my belief is the same as it was going into the season, which is that they both have a completely different skill set, and there will be games that suit the individual more and kind of the opposition essentially. I mean, when we were talking about the Chelsea game on Red Alert back in August, Dave, we were we were going through our lineup and we both agreed Gakpo should start that game. And it was kind of more around the while Darwin brings a lot of chaos and things, his ball retention isn't always good. He doesn't drop into the kind of deeper area to help out a little more in that midfield. Um, and I still kind of believe that argument. I still think that there will be games where Gakpo is just the better pick. Um, if if we were going kind of, you know, the Champions League final route, you know, and you've got your, this is the big one, who are you picking for just today? This is the one to win it. I would go Nunes. I do think for all the reasons we've covered, that that, that X factor that he brings is just super exciting. I think his goal return is going to be huge this season. I really do think that. And I think that will be the difference for us in a lot of games. You know, in the games where, if you think back to the the classic seasons of Salah, Firmino and uh, and Mane, those guys alone won us games, you know, just in their absolute quality as a as a front three. And Nunes, I think, is on on a on a or certainly has a ceiling of that level, I think, where where he could be that absolute match winner kind of time and time again for us. Well, I don't really see that for Gakpo, but I do see a super efficient cog in the works, if you will. And if Diaz and Salah are capable of kind of carrying the larger goal threat, and I do think we've added that, particularly in Saboslai, where we're going to get a little bit more from midfield too, I think there's there's an argument for both, and there's there's a day for each. So I think if you were like gun to my head, pick a front three, Nunes gets in. But I think there's going to be a bunch of games this season where I would prefer Gakpo. Yes, Mark, but that's the same. You've been very diplomatic there in regards to Gakpo. You could even talk about Jada, different games, horses for courses as well. So again, you know, is it is your front three definitely Nunes, Diaz and Salah? Or, or you know, if they're gun to your head, it, that's what it would definitely be. I mean, like I said, in the biggest games, in the most important one, if it was a one-off, it would be, because I think that one has the, the, the most chance of goals, the most chance of winning. And I think the kind of the counter to what I said before about kind of your opponent and Gakpo dropping deep and just giving us a little bit more of a presence, you know, more in that kind of false nine position. I think what we've seen, I mean, it's very, you know, we've only had four games to kind of judge all this on. And I think the midfield has given me real uh, kind of confidence that the legs are really back. In particular, McAllister and Sabozlai, they look like they're going to cover so much ground that maybe that false nine will be less important than I thought it was going to be. We got in that position last season, you know, where it, it was it was important to have someone dropping back and helping out because of the lack of legs. Sabozlai in particular just looks like a machine. He looks like he's going to cover so much ground that maybe we can just get back to kind of forwards being forwards and uh, and, and relying on them for their, their output rather than their contribution kind of in legs. Um, 
But I mean, yeah, I get I, to answer your question to be to be less dis- diplomatic. I, I would go. I would go Nunes on the big day. I would. See, I've I've got to ask this now. I'll come to you first, Jamesy, as well, because I know we talk horses for courses. At its crux, because both of you there have pretty much disregarded Jota in that regard. And I understand it, I get the logic, but at its absolute crux in the simplest terms, why are you guys, or why do you think it is for you specifically, Jota's just, no, not going to be in the starting three. What do you think just either holds him back or doesn't quite make it there, shall we say? I think it's just I just think it's reliability. I think that he's a very streaky player. Um he just, you know, he, he's nearly always under the radar. Uh, exactly what Mark says. He chips in with goals, he gets assists. But really when it, it depends on it, you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't start Jota in, in, in a big game. I think he started a couple of games last season and, and he let us down. So that's that's my personal opinion that when it comes to the, the front three, um, Jota's definitely a backup. I would rather see him coming out on 75th minute and he can create uh, chances and he can score. He's great in the air. You already talked about that, Dave. That's that's my opinion. Yeah, can I jump in on that for a second there? So the, the, for me, the, Jota's kind of... The, the, the difficult thing with Jota is that he doesn't have... You know, Salah plays on the right side, right? We we know that. That's where he's best. And Nunes and Gakpo are definitely better in the centre. And Diaz is definitely best on the left. I think there are arguments for Jota in both this... Well, it, almost in all three positions, if we're honest, being being where he's best. And none of them, I think, are, are certain. I don't think there's any of those positions that are nailed down as... Jota's position, the one that he's just clearly more efficient in. I think he has abilities in all of them. That that can hurt you as a player, you know, when you're capable of playing in all, but not nailed down in one. Because he's certainly not going to take Salah's place on the right. He definitely doesn't have enough to kind of be the centre forward consistently, I don't think. So that kind of leaves you with Diaz's side. And if you get down into the comparison of the two of them, they, they assist at a kind of similar-ish rate, which isn't that high, actually. Jota only has, I think, four, uh, eight Premier League assists in his three seasons at Liverpool, which isn't that high. Diaz has only racked up five in his shorter time, albeit, but still only five. Those aren't enormous numbers, certainly not when you compare them to Salah's. Um, so then you kind of fall back into the goal contribution. Actually, his goal contribution, like per game per minute, is just better than Diaz's. So it leads you to kind of wonder why we do, like you were saying, Dave, we do kind of discount him somehow. But in pure numbers, he's certainly a match for Diaz. I think that's that's kind of irrefutable in numbers. But Diaz just seems to bring a little bit extra in kind of penetration for me, you know, his dribbling abilities, the way he'll take it to a team. I also like that he kind of goes a little bit more in behind Jota. What you guys said earlier, he can be a little bit anonymous for kind of periods of games. And again, I think that hurts him when you're just thinking about kind of who to start. When I think of Diaz starting, it does excite me a little bit, you know, those kind of driving runs, the way he can do kind of the X factor thing where I don't think Jota necessarily can. Like Diaz's goal that we talked about, the kind of overhead kick one, don't really see Jota's got that in the locker or that kind of X factor, jink around a couple and bend it right into the back post. His are much more conventional finishes and there's a lot of them, you know, he gets a lot of headers, 
A lot of tap-ins, he can hit it off both feet. He's good at kind of padding out the ways he can score. But I think overall, when you're looking at kind of ceilings, I just think Diaz has that higher ceiling than him. Yeah, I was going to say that, Mark. Like, Diaz is, you know, he, he's, he's a he's a cut gem, if you know what I mean. Like, we're just trying to sculpt him and mould him. His, his scaling is absolutely massive. While I think the Jadis sort of... He's made his ceiling. He's kind of, he's a great player and he's always going to be there and thereabouts. I mean, he doesn't really start starting 11 for Portugal either. So it's just. I I think you're dead on there. I think Diaz, we all kind of think, has more to go. I think we've not got there yet. Whereas I think we all kind of think we're seeing Jota. This is it. This is the Jota you've got and the Jota you'll always have. I agree. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting one. I, I I kind of agree with that as well, gents. I think to to me, Jota is to taking a little bit of what both of you were saying. Almost the David Fairclough style super sub. He's the one I'm happy to see coming on because of what he can do. Also, the it, it sounds harsh and it's not meant to be a, a backhanded compliment. It's probably going to come across this way: the perfect fourth choice the alternate, the cover, however you wish to describe it. But that isn't to, to downplay it because, as we said, we love the player and his stats and assists are amazing. They really are. Or goals and assists, I should say, overall. This one, bit of a random question, gents, but I wanted to just answer it with the player's name in context. So when you're in the stadium, because I know we're all regular attenders at Anfield, who's got the best song or the best chant, as in which one gets you <laughs> on the edge of the seat the most out of their chants and their songs. Because they've all kind of got one, so to speak. Maybe Gakpo, not really too much, but the others definitely. Mark, I'll come to you first. Whose chant or song is the best, would you say? Well, well I'll, I'll just start with um, talking about Darwin's because... You, you, you and I sit together at the games most uh, most weeks, and uh, as as well you know, the Darwin song often annoys the life out of me because people cheer him when he does something wrong. It's, it's there's this weird sort of different reality that he lives in as far as a player to to fans, where he can lose the ball and then just hunt it down and kind of force a throw in and get a louder cheer than Salah gets for a hat-trick goal. And it, it, it drives me mad in a way. But I also do kind of love it. The the, the fans really have taken it to Darwin just so quickly. Such a, I don't know, the passion he carries, the, the way he, he, he drives so hard, so fast into the tackle, into the press. I, I love and hate the way, the way the Darwin song is sung. But if you're talking about like just purely which song is the best, I love the Salah song. Absolutely love it. It's still the one for me. Jota's is great. There's been a few great moments. The the Tottenham game last year where he got the winner, that was a that was a really special kind of rendition of his one. But the the Salah song overall, I just love it. I think it's classic kind of. Liverpool fan brilliance. It's that that unique thing I think that Liverpool have above all other clubs where when they really go for it, you know, I can take you to the kind of the Suarez song or the Torres song and they love a they love a goal scoring forward. And when Salas is getting belted out on the cop, it just uh, it still shivers for me every time. I don't need a VPN, I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, 
but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Interesting, James EA. He talks about love, but he had to get a bit of Darwin hate in there, didn't he? And he's right. I just then cheer Nunes louder because I know it winds the fuck out of him up. So, yeah, simple as that. But, James E, which, well, chan- which song for you? Salah. I, I mean, obviously, Bobby Firmino was just, it, it was so magical. Um, I can't explain how good that song was and how the chant. And every time it was just such a magical kind of wash. We're going into Anfield. How many times have sang that? Anyway, I'm remiss him. But we'll go back to my point. Salah, hundred percent. Without it, without a shadow of doubt, it's it's the Salah song. I just love it. So many, so many great occasions singing that song. Just, ugh. he's something else, boys. He's something else. He is that. I, I, uh, I think the Bobby one's a good shout, though. The you, you know the when he was announced as kind of leaving last season, and then there was an away game. I can't actually remember who it was. And the 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 traveling fans sung it for like literally ten minutes on the bounce, just constantly. I would have loved to be there in that in that away end singing that for ten. It was just amazing that the Bobby song just on repeat. But even as a cult, like a cult classic, like you know, in Matthew Street and going down in Matthew Street uh, the day before the game, and the whole Matthew seat is, is singing Bobby Firmino and just rocking. It, it's just something else. I mean, just watching it, it's just. I guess it's my favorite chant of all of all the songs. And that's fair, and I can understand it, Jamesy, but. Like you say, we could go down a different avenue and reminiscing and we've got to talk about the five current ones. But I just thought I'd throw that in there as a <laughs> a random one. It's interesting. I've, I've got to be honest, I love the Nunes chant. I just love it because it seems to get everyone fired up at the moment. And Salah's song is better and there's been bigger moments. I agree. And Jota's song overall probably has the best sort of verses and the melody and everything like that. You know, I, I couldn't argue with that. But maybe just because it pisses Mark Evans off that much, I'm just attached to that Nunes song a little bit. I've got to be honest. So, yeah. That is the only reason. I can hear you humming it when we walk into the ground. Before we've even started, you're doing it. You're already winding me up before the game kicks off. I know. Yeah, it probably is. I'd I'd be lying if it's any different. But anyway, gents, we'll move it on to... (laughs) This is interesting, and I want to give a bit of context to this, because the simple question one way would be... Who is going to be the sort of the out of these five, the top scorers, the top assists? Even if you want to give you know your top two, your top three, however, but I think it's important to say the context to this because 
This is the first season for a long time we've been in the Europa League, isn't it? We all know that. And without trying to be disrespectful too much, there's there's some pretty average sides in it, let's say that. And, you know, I appreciate as I'm saying this, you know, you're, you're inviting the egg on the face job type of thing. But there is an element, and a couple, you've both used the phrase at different times of, stat padding as it were based on the you know Europa figures and things like that so there is a context to it as I'm asking that I have, you know I want to be fair on that but I'll come to you first of all Mark and we'll just focus on the goals bit for now either sort of whether you want to go top two even just top one or top three who do you think out of these five amazing forwards who is going to top the goal scoring charts from him yeah so I, I had a quite a deep look into kind of goals, assists over literally since back to 2017, all the way back to the the, the kind of peak of Salah, uh, Bobby and Manny. And actually, the, the stats, I'll just give you them really quickly. In the 17-18 season, we got 81 goals. This is all Premier League, 81 goals and assists. In 18-19, we got 75. Next year, 76. Next year, 70. Then... 21-22, which is the year that brought in Diaz, Jota's now playing, Manny's still there, Origi's still involved. We've got 92 Premier League goals and assists from those forwards. And last season, which wasn't our greatest season, we would have thought on paper, still hit 86, higher than all of the prime kind of Bobby, Manny and Salah years, which really shocked me when I was kind of, when I was kind of looking at all. And when I started digging into all that, I went to each player's kind of individual numbers to try and work out where I thought they would all be this season. And what I'm, I'm going to give you the five forwards and what number I think they'll all hit individually over the whole season. So it's this. I think in goals, I think Salah will be our top scorer on 23 goals for the season. I think Darwin comes in at two on 17. I think Gakpo will get around 13 Jota, 12, and I think if we get 9 or 10 from Diaz, that will be a good return, considering all of the other things he brings. Well, look at that, Jamesy. Mark's got the names, Mark's got the numbers, and pretty much seems to be able to tell you where we'll finish in the season, so look at that. So, actually, <laughs> on it all, he goes Salah, Darwin, Gakpo, Jota, and Diaz. We even That's right, yeah. The player that you love, Jamesy, at the bottom of the goal chart. I have a strong suspicion here you're going to see it slightly differently, mate. I'm sure you're going to tell me that. Hmm. Well, I would say it would probably be Salah, definitely. I mean, you know, it's Neil Dawn. Like, look at his last from exactly. That was great stats, by the way, Mark. I really enjoyed that. That was good old research. Uh, looking at his last, you know, his last seven seasons, he's, he really is just a goal machine. And we know he's consistent and we know he's going to get 20 plus. So let's not worry about Salah. Let's talk about like Nunez, what he's going to do. Captain Chaos. I can see Nunez more than 20 plus. Um, but what I really want to see is Diaz with 12 plus. Um, over six assists as well. What I've done is I've looked at effectively their last season and what would be good if they were sitting down doing the performance meeting with the, with Klopp. Interesting then. So Salah, your front three, Salah, Nunes, 
and Diaz. See, it's mad, isn't it? Look at the way you're talking, boys. We talk about the stats and what Diogo Jota brings, but you've not got him in your starting three. And you've not even got him in your top three goal scorers for this season. Boys, are you not reassessing, reassessing that? Do you not think you're being a bit harsh on Diogo and underestimating him here? Not really. Because, I mean, like you said, we're, we're going to play a lot of games in the Europa League. Jota's one that I expect to play loads in the likes of the Europa League, the League Cup, the FA Cup potentially against weaker opposition. I mean, we maybe are kind of sleeping on Jota a bit there. I've gone 12 for Jota. That might be disrespectful considering the the fixtures he's likely to play in. Plus, he does play in some of the bigger ones too. I mean, he's going to get a lot of uh, a lot of appearance numbers. He's, yeah, 12 might, might be disrespectful. I've maybe even been disrespectful to Darwin on 17. I mean, he got 15 last season in a season that a lot of people tried to frame as a as, as a flop, I wouldn't say it was a flop. It wasn't a a blowout season, but to expect until they get two more, maybe is also pessimistic. Uh, I kind of like James here going twenty plus for Darwin. I think if we assume Salah's are nailed on, you know, twenty twenty five plus, and Darwin comes in at twenty plus, I mean, I think just fundamentally we're looking at a good season on that basis alone. You know, just in pure. Goals, you know, goals make points. It's simple as that. And uh, if if our front line, like I said, I mean, 81, 75, 76, 70, 92 and 86 are the previous five, uh, six seasons in goals and assists. I think the big question is, what will the total be for our entire front line kind of combined compared to all those years gone by? And I mean... Where will it compare? Is this a is this a front line better than we've ever had? Is it a front line in line with what we've had? What, what do you guys think? Can, 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 we just I, go, can we just go back to the forwards? So the reason I have no Jota nowhere near is because I think he's injury prone. I think that I'd rather ha- play him in the FA Cup and 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 the Euro- Europa Cup than actually the Premier League. Um, and they're you know resting our big guns. It's a yeah, it's a it's a fair point. But then the other side, I do think James is if you play him in the Europa League, that might be the competition. Like Mark mentioned, for stat padding, might it especially against some of the the weaker teams, shall we say, or if the group's done. But listen, it, it it's all theoretics in it. Who buts and maybes. But I honestly think Mark that point you've said. I this could be wildly ambitious. I opened the pod saying this, that in my opinion, we've we've probably had better pure forward lines, as in the traditional Salah, uh, Mane, Bobby at their peak. Unbelievable. And I don't think this is, you know, it, any collection of three, shall we say, matches that. I'm not saying that for one second. However, as a five, and you, you kind of mentioned these years, you've got to think back, boys, to some of the things we had. And this again, this isn't to to denigrate players, play them down. But the cover options were the likes of, and I'll probably get pelt as I'm saying this, Origi, Shakiri. They're not, they weren't bad players, but you weren't expecting regular things from them, were you? You were kind of hoping for a, a moment of magic at times, if that makes sense, or especially from Divock, a super sub moment. So I honestly think that these boys, especially as a collective five, Really have the potential to to go bigger numbers than the previous well, season. Let me let me put that to you both then, because the peak year we've had in twenty one twenty two, 
of Jota, Diaz, Salah, Bobby, Manny and Origi. They contributed 92 goals and assists in the Premier League. Do you think that Gagpo, Salah, Darwin, Jota, Diaz, and you can throw in uh, Ben Doak as well if you want as the sixth, because that was six. Do you think that they will contribute in the Premier League more than our peak 92, which is the best we've had in the Klopp era of goals and assists from forwards? I'll let you go first, Jamesy. Go on. Yes, uh, I, I think our midfield is more creative, as, and, and I think yes, I, I think that there's a great supply line there. We've all got different skill sets. If you think about the way the club plays, the substitutes have been absolutely fantastic, and all five of them on their day had, can score a lot of goals. So yes, I think being honest, Mark, because this is one thing I was thinking about they will fall slightly short of that number. Because if you remember that big season where, I mean, we nearly did it all, didn't we? But one of the big things to call out, if you remember, boys, was Salah, Mane and Diogo Jota all hit 20 goals or more in all competitions. They were goal-scoring machines. And if you remember, Bobby spent a large part of that campaign injured, didn't he? He just came back and just sort of, bag doubles or, you know, the odd goal here and there to sort of ratchet his figures up at the end. So I honestly think that was like the absolute purple patches, as it were, in that context. So I don't, and this is not to play down Ben Doak, but I think in that year, all of those sort of six were were big, weren't they? Or they all played a, a huge part. So I think just shy, but... I am excited by it as well. You, I have to be you expect them to get bigger than the kind of the 75, 76, 77, which yeah. is the kind of that's the peak kind of Salah, Manny, Bobby uh, era. That was their kind of in the Premier League. And these guys played almost every game. That was the thing that really struck me when I was doing the numbers earlier. They, they, they were all like, you know, around 35 Premier League appearances each. Absolutely incredible level of. Of uh, availability, um, but yeah, their their kind of their peak years, the ones that we you know remember so fondly, was in the seventy five bracket. So ninety two is enormous, really. It is. Um, so you think they'll fall somewhere kind of above the seventy five, but maybe just shy of the ninety two. Yeah, and do you want me to be right down to the nuts and bolts of it? What the absolute kicker is going to be for me, and Jamesy, you called it, but I think it's a different player. You said. Jota is injury prone. Think about what you've both said, boys. You've both named Chet Darwin as a big scorer. He's had injuries last season, hasn't he? He's not quite done a full season yet and he's coming back from Uruguay. And it's, it's almost hard to say because it doesn't sound like he's injured, but the assessment from Bielsa was muscle injuries or he came with muscle difficulties, I think was the phrase, wasn't it? So yeah. I just think maybe there might be periods. And if you remember as well, last year, he had a few hammy troubles, didn't he, as well? So I think there could be periods where Darwin is just maybe rested, taking out the firing line, however you wish to put it. And whilst he's not there, he can't be scoring naturally. So that, for me, will just be the kind of tipping point, the difference between the two, if you want to call it that, so to speak. Sure. Cool. And gents, listen, we, we've been around the houses. We've talked goals and assists. We, you know, we've given our preferences. Everyone now knows that James McKean loves Luis Diaz. 
Everyone now knows that Mark Evans hates Darwin Nunes, but tolerates him because of his goals. And everyone knows we all adore and love Mo Salah more than life. But, gents, let's be honest, it isn't really our opinion that matters more than anything. We know it comes down to Jurgen Klopp and what he says, what he thinks as well. Now, there's a couple of points I want to make in context for this question. I think it's important to ask it. It is the final one, but Jamesy, you've mentioned horses for courses, and I know that's completely right. And we know Jurgen's a big believer in sort of rotation, the match, that type of thing. I absolutely agree with that one. Jurgen's also mentioned, as we know, gents, on numerous occasions in his press conferences when he's asked numerous occasions, this cannot be debated, that pressing and counter-pressing is, and he said this a few times, this phrase, the passport into this side for forwards. It's interesting that he chooses that phrase quite a few times. So that context is everything for this. So it's a simple question and you get about a minute maximum to make your case, gents. Who do you think is Jurgen Klopp's preferred front three and why? Jurgen Klopp's preferred front three and why? You get a minute to make your case. Mark Evans, 59, 58. Well, I, I, uh, I, I thought long and hard on this and... While we've kind of all agreed as a three that Darwin is doing enough and exciting enough to to be our choice, if I'm deadly honest, my gut still tells me that Gakpo is Klopp's choice there. I think Diaz and Salah both are, as we all agreed, his choice. But I still think that now he's not that that decision. I think in some t- in some cases is going to be taken out of his hands and that really is for Darwin to go and do you know to go and knock the wall down to go and smash the door down to claim his spot and I think he's capable of doing it and I actually think he will do it but my gut tells me that Klopp when all things are even still prefers Gakpo I think he just still prefers the style of Gakpo above Darwin's and I think even the first four games is a little bit testament to that where Darwin has really had to do something quite extraordinary to get his start, I think. And in some ways, I think this little injury that Nunes comes back with, Klopp won't be too annoyed at that because it allows him to put what I consider his man, Gakpo, back in for the Wolves game. And I think he will, essentially. I mean, I think injuries are going to force that. But my gut still tells me that Gakpo is Jürgen's guy. Love it. And that is pretty much just as time was elapsed as well. (laughs) So Gakpo, Salah, Diaz, Mark Evans reckons is Jürgen Klopp's preferred front three. The same question to you, James McKean. Who do you think is Jürgen Klopp's preferred front three and why? 59-58. I would have to agree with Mark, um, just with Gakpo, and I think it comes down to the style and the steadiness. The, the challenge you have there is, is Mark was saying about that, uh, obviously, Klopp 
is not relieved, but that he wouldn't mind so much about Nunez being injured and, and Gakpo can take his place. I think the game against Wolves is going to be extremely hard. Um, I would have rather had Nunez in there to ruffle up because he just is so, it just so, what can I say, dynamic when it comes to that press and, and the hunger, while Gakpo is a very steady and calm player. But I think Klopp prefers Gakpo, absolutely. But I think that it's more over the season, if Nunez can really become more clinical and he can really sort that out, I think he will displace Gakpo, absolutely. Like that, yeah, I like that. And, and gents, I would love to be able to sort of butcher you or, or twist it around, but I think for me, yeah, I think for exactly the reasons you, you said, I think Klopp wanted Gakpo, Linda's wanted Gakpo. We know they've almost tried to, there's maybe a better phrase, but mould him into a Bobby Light version, haven't they? The closest they can replicate to that. And we know what Klopp thinks and understandably why he loves Bobby. So, yeah, I think maybe it, he'll never admit it publicly, completely understandably, but there is a convenience maybe if, if Nunes isn't quite 100% to go there. But at the same time, I think that's what Jurgen Klopp loves. But gents, I'd love to see Darwin get more starts. But, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll why, see. Don't we, why don't we uh, fill our flag to the mast in a slightly different way of asking this question, which is, who do you think out of Gakpo and Nunes has more starts at the end of the season in the Premier League? Good question, Mark. I think that Nunes, is a good... I honestly think Nunes, I think that, you know, we spent a lot of money on him. Klopp absolutely adores him. And I, I think he's just pushing him. I think it's man management. Same thing again. He says, like, you're going to need the work to get in this team. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go Nunes. My, my heart and everything wants to say Nunes because, and this isn't to be derogatory of Gap Point anyway, don't get me wrong, but you hate I do think it will be Cody. No, no, I'm not, I'm not like him. I don't carry that hate in my heart. Just yeah, you, you should have heard him booing, uh, booing Gakpo when he lost the ball at Villa. He actually, a fan in front of us turned round and told Dave to shut up. Good story. <laughs> 50% uh, of that story is actually true, to be honest. But yeah, <laughs> in, in that regard, if I'm honest, I do think, especially with the bigger matches, Klopp will revert to type. And I actually think Gakpo over Nunes, the opposite to Jamesy. I, I agree with you, Dave. I think it will. And also because of the point you touched on earlier, I think Nunes is just more uh, injury prone too. I think he'll miss more games just in pure kind of availability terms than Gakpo will. Love it. Love it, gents. Listen, I've only got one final question. I've loved this part. I loved all the things we, we've talked about. I've loved almost celebrating our forwards. And if you are listening, ladies and gents, anything we said, like, as you know, splitting hairs, I think, debating, we, we all love all our forwards. We've all been jostling a bit, but what a collection we have. However, the final question I want to ask you, gents, is because we are all members of Old Reeky Reds, the Edinburgh Supporters Club, Ben... Doke. I know we're excited by Ben Doke. I know we love it. The sixth member of the, the junior version, shall we say, from the five senior boys. I'll give you an open platform, a minute each. How is Ben Doke's season going to go? And just because I know this will wind Mark up, Jamesy, I'll go to you first. Back off. 
first of all, we have to remember how young he is. So, you know, we just can't kind of just shine the spotlight on him. I think that he'll play a lot of cup matches. I want to see him doing really well in the Europa Cup. And then again, Salah's away in January for the uh, the African Cup as well. So again, I would like to see him a couple of matches there. But all in all, um, I think you'll see him more integrating into the actual squad. But again, not putting all the pressure on the lad because he is young. Very fair, very fair indeed. And I know you'll be chomping at the bit, Mr. Evans. I am, absolutely. I was uh, I was unfortunate enough to be at Hamden the other night to watch England take Scotland apart. And uh, the thing that struck me most at that game was Scotland have actually developed a really good team now, a general team, but the same problem exists that's existed almost my entire life is they don't have a recognised goal scorer, an exciting striker, none to speak of at all. Uh, I mean, Shea Adams is our leading man and, you know, he's a 10 at best. So my hope for Ben Doak is enormous, especially because Scotland now look fairly certain to make the, the Euros, which is a real rare one, again, in my lifetime as a Scotland fan. Uh, we could really do with Ben Doak coming out and and having a kind of Michael Owen-esque breakthrough and getting his way into that Scotland squad and coming to Germany with us if we do make it. Um, I think this season presents an, a unique opportunity for him because Liverpool generally find themselves in the Champions League. This year, as we've touched on, they're going to be in the Europa League. They're going to play a lot of opposition who are who are lesser than the Champions League opponents will be. There's no way of kind of sugarcoating that. They will. Um, if if some of those fixtures come with like a large Premier League game on the weekend before or after, I think you'll see a lot of changes in those games. League Cup, same story. And I think for those reasons, you're going to see a bit of bend up. I think we're hopefully going to get to at least double figures in appearances this season, which I think is really exciting as a Scottish fan, as a Liverpool fan. Um, I don't know if you guys saw his, it. There was a kind of highlight reel doing the doing the rounds on Twitter the other day of his under-21 performance for Scotland the other night. Really does have dribbling ability that you don't see very often. I would have to go back all the way to Raheem Sterling for the last time I saw a Liverpool player that, uh, that, that could do that, kind of just leave people for dead dribble left or right, take them on either side and just kind of effortlessly ghost past people. I mean, that was at under 21 level the other night. He's only 17. These are guys far in advance of his years. He's going past them like they're not there. I think in kind of raw tools department, he's got it all. He really, really does. He has a clear kind of area to improve on in his end product, getting his head up, kind of using his teammates more, uh, finding that final ball, kind of getting in, not running down blind alleys, if you will. Uh, but I think the potential is absolutely off the charts for Ben Doak. I really, really do think that. Uh, I'm massively excited by him. I cannot wait to watch him score in person. Really hope that's this season. I think... I think we're going to see a few Ben Doak goals this season. I think we're going to see, I'll put myself out there and say, I think we're going to see three or four Ben Doak goals in a Liverpool shirt this season. I tell you what, Jamesy, 
when I asked Mark Evans the question, within a minute, can you tell me how Ben Doak's going to do this season? We probably should have realised we could have just turned on the lights and got into bed or turned them off and got comfy, really, couldn't we? But he gave us detail, he gave us answer, and he's passionate about Ben Doak, as we all are in that regard. And gents, that is pretty much the hour, the top of the hour we are there. So I'm not going to lie. I've really enjoyed this one. I've enjoyed the back and forth. I love talking about our players when we're doing well and we've got excitement about them. Fingers crossed, Mark, you enjoy that one? Absolutely, mate. It really did. Great. It's like you said, I mean, there's always ups and downs in football and you really should occasionally take a moment to celebrate the things that truly are brilliant. If this is the last year of Salah, with these other forwards we've got around that are of kind of younger age, so much potential, we should just kind of drink this in and enjoy this incredible front line. In the Jurgen years, starting back to the Salah, Bobby, Manny days, we've been blessed with forwards and that hasn't changed. If anything, it's got bigger and stronger. The age profile on them's brilliant. The potential's enormous. We've got Salah still. I mean, yeah, let's let's just let's enjoy it, drink it in. Love that. Absolutely. And Jamesy, fingers crossed, hopefully you enjoyed it as well. It was brilliant. It was really good. I, I, I love it. It's very exciting for the future. Uh, what's amazing as well is we are unbeaten in 15 matches, which is good. So hopefully yeah. this will be 16. Indeed. Indeed, with Wolves around the corner. Ladies and gents, we hope you've enjoyed listening. We've loved talking about the forward line, the five senior boys, and even young Ben Doak. And that, ladies and gents, was five fighting forwards for Anfield Index. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.